0: Genesis chapter 11, Uh, as we continue this series in uh, the book of Genesis, come to a passage that most of you, perhaps all of you are familiar with, Um, this is not a foreign passage to us at all, uh, the Tower of Babel. Uh, Genesis chapter 11, Uh, let me ask if you're able to stand as we read God's word together. grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever. Let's pray. We pray, O Holy Spirit, that You would grant to us that we might read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest this, Your Word, for our good and Your glory, that we might be conformed more and more into the image of Christ. For it's in His name that we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Some of you, I'm sure, are familiar with the name Chad Johnson. He was a, a wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals in the NFL. Wait, let me fix that. You don't know him as Chad Johnson. Some of you, or at least, are too young to know him as Chad Johnson. Some of you, that's just too far in the, in the past. Because in 2008, he changed his name from Chad Johnson to Chad Ocho Cinco, yeah, that's eight five. Because eighty five is his jersey number, and and he kept putting Ocho Cinco on the back of his jersey where his, where Johnson should have been, where his name was. He kept putting that. Got fined a couple of times, and so he literally went and changed his name to Chad Ocho Cinco. If that doesn't say something about his sense of his own identity. That's a guy that is whose, whose identity is all wrapped up in his football, his ability as a wide receiver. His number on his jersey became his name. He literally went out and made a name for himself so that he could have that on the back of his jersey. You know, it's... It's, it's not uncommon for people like that, for athletes, for performers of some form or another, entertainers, musicians, actors, uh, whatever the case. It's not uncommon at all for those folks to live in fear of one thing and one thing only. It's not cancer. It's not even injury. It's not even the death of their children They live in fear of anonymity. The worst thing that could possibly happen to them is for you not to know them. That's exactly Chad Johnson. He's changed his name back, by the way. You'll be happy to know. He's changed it back to Chad Johnson. Uh, But that's exactly what Chad Cinco was going through. He was so... He so associated his worth and value with his football that he took his jersey number and literally made a name for himself. That's in essence what we find in this passage. We have here a group of people, mankind, set out to to make a name for themselves. Their identity, their sense of worth and value is bound up in... In anything but God's word, God's commands, God's will for their lives. They're united in their language, and they have the same language and the same words, and that allows them to unite in their rebellion against God. You notice the, the passage divides easily into basically two scenes. The first scene, we see the rebellion of man look at verse 2 people are migrating from the east and they find a, a plain in the land of Shinar and they settle there and and mankind is migrating towards each other towards this plain where they can build a city and build this tower does that strike a chord i mean does that That should remind you of something. I mean, you should immediately be thinking to yourself, this is the exact opposite of what they're supposed to be doing. The command of God was, be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. Spread out. Conquer the world. Okay, there's there's your graduation speech, right? Students, go out and conquer the world. Okay, well, God literally told mankind to go out and conquer every square inch. And instead, they're migrating from the east back towards this plain. They're they're migrating together. They're, They're coming together to build this city. They're not filling the earth. They're doing the exact opposite of what God has commanded them to do. The city, the tower, they're built to keep them there. That's actually the goal. We're told in verse 4 Come, let us build for ourselves a city and tower with its tops in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we, so that we aren't spread out, so that we don't end up dispersed over the whole earth. This is, this is mankind dead set on doing the exact opposite of what God commands him to do. God's command was to fill the earth. Now let's not do that. Let's build a city and a tower that will hold all of us so that we aren't spread out around the earth. And verse 4, the tower is a monument. But it's a monument to man. Yeah, I think last week I mentioned the... The ESPN World Fame 100 came out and, and number one in famous athletes around the world right now based on you know, social media, the all-important social media criteria uh, is Cristiano Ronaldo. He recently had an airport in Portugal na- renamed for him and was able to unveil his own statue of himself at this airport. This tower is built to make a name for mankind. Notice it's supposed to reach up to heaven. This tower is supposed to have its top in the heavens. And they want expressly to make a name for ourselves. Remind me again, what's the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy... To glorify me and enjoy Him forever. To enjoy me forever. You see what they're trying to do? They're trying to do the exact opposite. They don't want God's glory. They want their own glory. We don't want to make a name for God. We want to make a name for ourselves. We don't want Him to have the honor and the glory and the credit and the praise and the thanks. We want that. So we're going to build this tower and it's going to reach all the way up into heaven and people are going to think we're great people are going to, I don't know who's left because everybody's in the city, but people are going to praise us. They're going to praise us for our work. Now, keep in mind, this is, this is technological advancement for the time. They've got bricks, and they've got mortar, and it's it's uh, connected to the region of the globe where they are. They use the resources right there, and they made these These sort of technological advancements, these bricks, and using bitumen bitumen for mortar. All to make themselves great. They wanted men to glory in their work, rather than their work to glorify God. That's where they are. They want other people to glory in the work that they're doing rather than use their work to glorify God, their Maker. You know, we have our own towers of sorts, don't we? To a certain extent, that was true of the Twin Towers in New York City. Okay, we don't live there and we don't work there and um, I mean, I went in them once uh, forever ago, but I, mean, I they, but they represented for us financial independence. The Twin Towers in New York City before they were brought down, they they represented for us financial security. Uh, we live in North Alabama. NASA, the Arsenal, the. The PhDs, you know, there's there's always been the claim that that Huntsville has the highest per capita, the highest concentration of PhDs in the country. I think that's actually been proven false. But people with their names on things in the International Space Station, people actually working on shooting down missiles. I mean, talk about technological advancement. You talk about all the really cool things. Google's coming to North Alabama now. Google decided, well, what's the second, if if we're going to leave California, where should we go? Scottsboro looks like a good place. Talk about trust in technological advancement. Talk about trust in the things that we know and science and are able to develop. We have our own. Towers. We have our own monuments built to ourselves. Sports or money or wisdom or abilities that you have or grades or good looks or music or technology. There are any number of towers that we have. We have our own form of how can I make a name for myself? How can I avoid living in anonymity? This tower, you see they're building this tower to reach to heaven. They, they want to bridge the gap between themselves and God by building a tower that they can now climb and meet God. They want the tower to reach up into the heavens. That's where God is. So let's, let's build a tower so that we can go to God. These people seek security and praise and salvation on their own terms. And it's the common language. It's it's one language and the same words, verse 1, that makes all of this possible. They're united in their rebellion because they're united in their ability to communicate with each other. Notice did you notice how many times God was mentioned in the first four verses of the chapter? Zero. As long as man is making their plans, as long as mankind was working to build a tower to the heavens, as long as mankind was coming together rather than dispersing on the earth, they never speak of God. They never once say, they clearly haven't read the book of James. They never once say, well, if the Lord wills, this is what we'll do. They, pre- they presume, they presuppose the next day. They pre- presume upon their own glory. They don't say, well, let's do this if this is God's plan. Or let's not. They, they, there's no subjecting their plans to God's will, to God's wisdom, to God's word in any way, shape, or perform So by the end of verse 4 man who's who's placed on the earth as God's vice regents to work it to rule over it to subdue it to scatter and to fill it all all to the praise and glory of God that man is now living for his own praise his own glory he seeks his own name Do we make plans apart from God's Word? Do we make plans apart from God's will? Do we, do we subject our will to God's? Do we, are we willing to say, this is, this is what I hope to do, but God may have other plans, God may have other designs for me, and, and so be it. I trust in His Word. I trust in His will. I trust in His wisdom. You know, there was a time, I had this fairly vivid memory I won't name the other people involved in the conversation. Not not that they live anywhere close to here. But when I was a teenager there was a group of us who planned out our lives. There was a beach house involved. There was a house on the ski slopes somewhere. There was a boat. Uh, I was going to design a boat that Boston Whaler was going to build. Um. Marriage was maybe in somewhere in the future, but by that time I had so much money, you know, I, anybody would have wanted to marry me, that kind of thing. Never once did we say, "I wonder if God has other plans for us." Never once did we say, "I wonder if this is really in accordance with Scripture." Here in Genesis eleven, they're they're living their lives to their own praise and glory united in this language uh, united in their ability to with this new uh, technology united in their determination to be self-sufficient self-reliant and and ignore god's will god's plan god's commands clearly given numerous times throughout the book of genesis so far man seeks his own praise but you find that God will not be mocked. You find, beginning in verse 5, the, ex- the exact opposite. There's man's rebellion in the first four verses, but we finally see God's intervention in the second half of the passage, the second scene. You know, sometimes you may miss the humor in the Bible. Do you, do you notice from time to time I mean do you ever sort of read along and you think to yourself I think that's supposed to be funny. Like I think that's actually I think I'm supposed to laugh here. Because verse 5 you're supposed to laugh. There's a you're clearly in verse 5 supposed to be laughing at all these rebellious people in verse 4. Where's this tower supposed to go verse 4? It's supposed to reach up to the heavens. See, man has this notion that I'm going to build this really huge tower and it's going to reach all the way up into the heavens so that that there I can see God. And verse 5, so tall, so massive is that tower that God has to stoop down to see it. Did you notice? Did you notice? The Lord came down to see this great colossal city. The Lord had to stoop down to see this tower in which man took such great pride. So transcendent is He. So other. So, so righteous. So high and lifted up and exalted is God that that tower that we think reaches to the heavens is too small to be seen by God. You do this. You, you walk through your yard. You walk around in your garden and you find a bug. And, and it's, it's really kind of fun because sometimes you get fascinated. But when you're walking through your yard or you're walking through your garden and, and you see a bug on the ground, wh- what do you do? You, you bend over. You squat down. You stoop low. Why? Well, because the distance between you and that bug is so great you really have to kind of get closer to be able to see it. That's what God has to do to this tower. Man took such great pride in his work. Man took such great pride in his his technological advancement. Took such great pride in this massive city and this massive tower that God had to bend over and stoop low just to be able to see it. Moses is mocking man in that verse. In verse 5, we should laugh. We should catch that humor. We should catch Moses mocking the builders of this city and this tower. I'm surprised though that God didn't destroy the tower. I'm fascinated by the fact that God didn't destroy it. See, I were God, if I, if I were in charge, if this was the kind of rebellion, this is what I would do. I'd be inclined to go, well, I'll show you and crush the tower. I mean, wouldn't that be the temptation? Wouldn't, that's the evidence of their rebellion, so why wouldn't we crush the evidence of their rebellion? God doesn't deal with the, the manifestation of their rebellion. He doesn't deal with the evidence of it. He deals with the source of it. He deals with the cause of their rebellion. The problem isn't so much a city and a tower. The problem is they won't spread out because they have one language. The problem is because they all speak the same language, there's no end to the potential for their rebellion. That's what God says in verse 6. Behold, they're one people, all have one language. This is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. So God comes down. There's that that Trinity again. You You should be asking, is this Trinity language? Let us go down and confuse their language. It took the, the confusion of their language to disperse them around the globe. At that point, they could no longer communicate. And so they split up each according to their tribes and their language and their people. God comes down and deals with the issue of their language. He guards against, notice the grace in this, by the way. Yes, there's rebuke. Yes, there's punishment. Yes, there is God ultimately accomplishing His purposes on this earth. His command had been, fill the earth. Well, if you're not going to fill the earth, I'll confuse your languages and then you'll fill the earth. You'll spread out and, and take more land that way. But notice the grace here. The reason He confuses their language is so that they can't run headlong to further greater rebellion. It actually serves to slow their rebellion. The the punishment that God brings is to, yes, scatter them and accomplish exactly what His will, His design, His purpose is to accomplish, but it actually slows their sin a bit. They can't communicate. They're not united in one language and the same words and able to build any longer. Now when the foreman says, hey, bring those bricks, and the worker goes, I have no idea what he just said. Because he's speaking French and I'm speaking Swahili and I don't know. The languages are sent to confuse the people so they can no longer continue in their rebellion. Mankind was set on settling down and making a name for himself. He did make a name for himself, actually. Did you notice? He actually did make a name for himself. Man got exactly what he wanted. Because we all know about battle. Of course, they thought the word, the word they were using, means gateway to God. It gets twisted a bit to mean confusion. We still, to this day, what are you babbling about? You're talking, but you're making no sense. What are you babbling about? Man in the face of God babbles. Man's efforts, man's work to reach up to heaven accomplishes nothing. And so ultimately, verse 8, they are scattered over the face of all the earth. In fact, we're told twice. We get it again at the end of verse 9. The Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. God scatters the the self-reliant and brings their work to nothing. Put yourself for a second though in the shoes of Israel. You're an Israelite somewhere passing from Egypt to the promised land. And the spies come back from the promised land. And one of the things they say is, they've got these massive cities. There's no way we can defeat these fortified walls and these big, massive cities. Moses can look at his people and go, God's done this before. When mankind stands to oppose God and His people, when mankind is dead set on being self-reliant and not submitting to God and His will and opposes God and His people at every turn, God's already confused their language once. God's already defeated those people once. Israel should have been encouraged by this passage. Fortified cities are no match for God. Those who oppose God, those who oppose His people are no match for God. He will bring about His purposes despite whatever opposition mankind gives. You know, the church has been commanded to multiply and fill the earth. That's the essence of the Great Commission, is it not? The essence of the Great Commission is to go out and make disciples of all nations everywhere, to go out and subdue the earth and to fill it and to reach the lost. That's the, the Christian uh, form of, uh, that's the way the church's command is given to, to fill the earth with believers. God says, Christ says, All authority on heaven and earth is given to me. Go make disciples of all nations the Gospel faces opposition. We know people who are adamantly, wholeheartedly opposed to the Gospel of Christ, who are adamantly, wholeheartedly opposed to God and to His purposes. People out there trust in all sorts of things, whether it's their own science or their own technology or, or Darwin or you name it. This passage encourages us Because those who trust in their own power, ability, wisdom, those seeking to make a name for themselves, those who oppose Christ, and trust in whatever tower they trust in, God will bring them to nothing. Isn't that part of the picture of Acts 2? Our New Testament reading just a few minutes ago was a passage in which people from all places over the earth come together and go, wait a minute, why are we hearing these people preach in our own language? Why? Because that's what the gospel does. The gospel breaks down national barriers. It breaks down ethnic barriers. It goes to all the world. And we're reminded all over again from Genesis 11 and from Acts chapter 2, that there is coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Not that I am. Not that you are. Not that man is. But that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the the picture of your, your transcendence, your power, your authority on the earth. We thank you that you are about the work of accomplishing your purposes, of bringing about your commands on this earth. We see evidence of it here in Genesis 11 as rebellious man refuses to disperse and so you confuse their language that they will carry out your purposes. We see evidence of it in the book of Acts when the disciples are not going through Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth and so you scatter them through persecution. Father, we pray that you would give us a heart for the nations. That You would give us a longing for the nations. That we would live to bring honor and glory to Christ and to Him alone. That we truly would find our chief end is to glorify God and fully to enjoy You forever. That we would make a name for Christ, not a name for ourselves. For it's in Christ's name that we ask it. Amen.